Good morning, online audience. Good morning, Summit Church family, wherever you are, online, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram, all these places. Share this link with somebody. Let them know the church is starting in about five minutes. We're going to start our five-minute countdown in a minute. But my handle everywhere, and like I said, this is going to be streaming live to YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, Twitter, Twitch, LinkedIn, and I'm on Instagram as well. Uh, share this with somebody. Let them know church is getting started. Also, do us a favor and go to our Google homepage and give us a review. It helps us in the rankings. It helps people physically find the church building. And in a couple weeks, we're getting ready for this Blessing of the Bikes event. It's on May 2nd. It's going to be happening right here at 930 uh, on that Sunday, May 2nd. We're going to be having Krispy Kreme donuts and coffee. We're going to be anointing the bikes and praying safety over all the motorcyclists that day. We're going to be doing some heavy music worship and then bringing the word in. It's going to be a gospel message with some baptisms, hopefully. So we're excited about that happening uh, this this coming in two weeks in May. So it's going to be a wonderful time. Share that event with a friend. Go to our Facebook uh, events page and join up and, and share that event with somebody. This is your five-minute warning before church. So grab your coffee, grab a Bible, grab a pen, grab a friend, or come on down here to church and join us. But five minutes until worship. Five minutes, everybody.
Summit Church in person and online. Hello, do we have? Yes, we have people. Okay, good. If someone wants to be on Facebook and navigate the comments, be my online minister today, say hello to people online. That would be awesome. I don't have Meredith right now. I think a few people are sleeping in today. I'm not sure what's happening, but we're glad that you're here and we're glad you're online. God bless you guys. Are you excited to be at church today? You excited to sing and worship? I'm excited that you're here. So I want you to stand with us. We're going to sing this song called I Will Sing. It's so easy. I sing a part. You sing it back to me. Make it joyful noise. Make it joyful noise. Woo! 
start here today, but that's okay. That's all right. I guess we're two weeks off of Easter, so everybody's like, oh, yeah. Sleeping in the new day. How many notice the days are longer now, right? You get a little more tired because the day's longer? You get sleeping less, maybe? I don't know what it is. But we're glad that you're here. Let's open with prayer. Father, we love you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come have your way today in this chapel and online today. I pray that you would just be glorified in every song that we sing and every word that we say. Lord, we love you. We worship you. And we ask for your presence to come and fill us today with your spirit. And as we study your word, I pray that the, I pray that the words would just jump off the page today, that we would become truly disciples of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to sing this song called Blessed Be Your Name. I think it's not on the song sheet, but I think most of you have heard it by now. In the land that is plentiful, sing it with me. Blessed be your name, and that is plentiful. The streams of abundance flow. Blessed be Be on you, give and 
Columbines of starting to bloom, Father. We're so grateful for the wonderful world you've put us into. And even though we're surrounded by turmoil and confusion, Father, in national politics and what's happening around the world, we thank you that you're the anchor. You're the solid rock in which we build our lives. So we don't have to worry or fear about what men can do. We put our hope and our trust in you, Lord God. We worship you. We lift you high today, God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, turn with me to, if you found the touch-free song sheet, hopefully you have it there on your phone. It's on page one on the PDF file, middle column on the bottom, on this center of the very center of the, of the sheet called This Is A Move. And I love this song because it declares what we're believing that God is doing. He's doing something in the world and he still can move mountains, right? It's page one, middle, or page three then. Page three, middle of the page. Looking at my wife, because she's like, uh, do you have it on the PDF? <laughs> Did you find it, Kim? There we go. Page three, I was wrong about the page number, sorry. Page three, middle of the page. This is a move.
Yes, Lord, we need a move. This is a move. Last time, we need it. This is We need a move. This is a move. Hallelujah. Man, I sure love singing with you guys. Let's read the one-year Bible. For today's reading, the highlighted verse for April 18th comes from Luke chapter 19, verse 9. And it's Jesus talking. And he says, salvation is, this is the, the time when Zacchaeus was in the tree. And, and he says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. And all the people are like, what? You're going to the tax collector's house? He goes, yeah, I'm going to his house. He's like, whoa, wow, Jesus, what do I, what do, I do to deserve this honor? If I've, if I've taken any money, I'll give four times as much back. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to start living a righteous life. I'm going to follow this Jesus. And then Jesus responds. He says, salvation has come to his, this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Even crooked IRS agents, everybody. He came to, he came to rescue drunks. He, oh, Tim, there you are. I'm so sorry. I would have had you come read the one year. I saw I was worshiping. I saw Lloyd. I didn't see you. I'm okay. Okay, okay. God bless you. Normally I have Tim read the one year Bible, and then all of a sudden he appears magically. Sorry about that, Tim. I didn't want to take it away from you. Anyway, God came to seek and to save us lost sinners, right? And that's not like everybody else point the finger at yourself, right? I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're saved by his grace. None of us deserved it. He just poured out his love for us. Amen. Amen. And if we just soak that in, if you just get a divine revelation of how much God loves you, that'll, that'll fix just about everything else. If you just go, wow, God, you love me. Wow, God, you really do? You really do love me? You are for me. You're not, you're not trying to punish me. You're not trying to lower the boom on me. You're not trying to torture me in some kind of way. But God, you really do? You really do love me? If you could just get your heart to focus in on that. Yes, 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 yes. He really, really does love you. He really, really does love me. That old children's song that we used to sing in Sunday school. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so, right? It's, it's so simple, and yet we miss it. We, we lose it along the way, some kind of, some kind of way. We get distracted. We, we complicate it all. But it just comes down to that simple idea that, yes, Jesus loves everybody else, only the good people. No, God, God loves, Jesus loves me. You know, if you'll just keep that in mind, I think a lot of the things that you're confused about, that you're angry over, that you question God over, all that just starts to dissipate and fade away. You go, God, you don't don't have to answer all of my questions. You don't have to explain yourself to me. It's it's enough that I know that you love me. Amen? Amen? Hmm. There's so much more I could say, but I'm, I'm already preaching today, so I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll just sing. How about that? We're going to sing this one called How Great Is Our God, and 
now that I'm all goofed up with my sheet numbers, someone maybe can help me with that. Uh, how great is our God? Is it a, which sheet is it on, everybody? Pa so if that other one was on page three, this one must be on page one. But maybe it's not. Maybe you just have to know it. Number one, Kim says it's on page one of the PDF. All right. The splendor of the king clothed in majesty. The splendor of the king clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. All the earth rejoice. He wraps himself. God hath three 
someone elbow bump or if you're comfortable giving a handshake you can do that but say just say hello to somebody and greet someone online hey everybody welcome to summit church of castle rock online uh, you can support our ministry by sending a check to summit church of castle rock 200 south wilcox street box 243 castle rock colorado 80104 or you can text to give at 303-625-9434 follow the prompts using your smartphone and 100 of what you give text 
uh, goes to the ministry. Or you can do it real easily. Go to mysummitchurch.com and click the donate button. And we sure appreciate your support online and the folks here in person as well. We sure would love to see you in person here. And again, we want to welcome you watching online. In a couple weeks, we're going to be doing our Blessing of the Bikes event. So if you are a motorcyclist or you know a motorcyclist, invite them to that event. It's going to be a great, great time. So thanks for joining us online. And uh, we're going to start the word here in just a minute. Turn in your Bible to John chapter 11. Make sure and tell Sally we missed her today. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Um, we're brave enough to show up in person and you're watching online. And how many of you love illustrated sermons? I love to illustrate a talk so it kind of sticks in my brain longer than... Uh, how many of you hear a sermon and five minutes later you're like, what was that about? I don't even remember. What, was, what did we look at today? What was, what was that even about? So a visual helps me sometimes get it stuck. Well, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, do you guys remember what it was last week? I had a little don't sign, right? Anybody have an idea? We talked about we were wrong about everything. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. We were wrong about everything. We were wrong about why Jesus came. We were wrong about who he was. Jesus revealed the real plan about what he was all about. Well, today... I have, I have a illustrated talk that I'm calling a code for disciples. A code for disciples. How many of you like secret code? How many of you, you passed notes in school and you put them in coded messages and you, you gave a key with the secret code, right? And you passed it on. Or maybe you had a decoder ring if you're from the 50s, you read comic books, or... If you're a real nerd, you might know about open source coding. If you know about how uh, a lot of programming works these days, um, open source coding is how much of uh, internet technology is working uh, with the, the Linux uh, languaging in, in computer programming. So a lot of even like platforms like Facebook and Google have used open source coding and they just cut and paste what they need for each thing and they can repeat that code over and over and over again. It's very utilitarian. It's also how viruses can get into a system if coders know how to put something uh, malicious into, into the malware and destroy the whole system, right? Um, there's all, we have a code of ethics, Right? People talk about, you know, we, we, we live by a certain code. You know that Jesus had a code for his disciples? You know, I'm, I'm going to put up a code. Some of you guys have seen some of these wilderness uh, adventure codes where they, they have these different symbols and they talk about what to look for on the trail. My wife and I were addicted to this show called Ozark. 
you ever seen the show Ozark? And there's like, I always at the beginning of the show, they had four different symbols of things that happened in each episode. I wouldn't necessarily recommend every episode of Ozark, I, I'm just going to say. Uh, but what's interesting about it, it's sort of an intriguing mystery show. You're not sure what's going to happen in each episode. And each symbol represented something that was going to happen. It was sort of a precursor of what you might see in the episode. And it was a code, kind of a code looking at. I'm going to write out some code here today. And we're going to think about what some of this could mean. In the middle, I'm going to put a letter B. Up here on the top, I'm going to put a, a T. All right. Over here, I'm going to put an L and an S. On the bottom, I'm going to put a letter O. And over here in this quadrant, I'm going to put a letter A. All right. This is what I'm going to be talking about today, Jesus' code for disciples. Now, what in the world could this code mean? Are you intrigued? Yeah. Let's good. Let's get into it. So turn in your Bible to John chapter 11. And number one in the code is the letter B, which is simply standing for believe, to believe. Jesus said, if anyone would come to God, he must first believe that he is, that he exists, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Step one <laughs> for even being a disciple is believing. If you don't believe in God, why in the world would you serve him? If you don't believe his word, why in the world would you obey it? If you don't believe that he loves you, then why would you love him back, right? Simple, childlike faith trusting and believing and we start with kind of a, a radical moment in Jesus's uh, ministry where he kind of propels himself to a next level of miracles where he raises Lazarus from the dead and he you know his, his friend Lazarus is sick and he's in Bethany, Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha and uh, Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, but he doesn't go right away. And he, he, he says, no, there's, there's a purpose in all this. So he comes later. And the disciples say, uh, what, so we're going to go to see Lazarus now? And he goes, yeah, he's asleep. And they're like, oh, well, Lord, if he's only sleeping, he'll get better. And he goes, no, no, <laughs> Lazarus is dead. Jesus was the first to use that euphemism that the person had fallen asleep. It was a nice way of saying that they had died. But a true believer knows that when we die, we don't really, we don't really die. It's a soul sleep. One day we're going to come to a place of eternal life and resurrection with God in heaven. Jesus was the first to, to kind of bring that euphemism to Christian culture and help us to understand that when we die, that's not the end. In some ways, it's just the beginning. And... He says, so our friend Lazarus is dead. And then, so they, they begin to go over to uh, Mary and Martha. They say, we're going to leave. And Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, come on, let's go to and die with Jesus. They knew that there was a mark, there was a price on his head, but they were willing to go and suffer and die and be persecuted with Jesus. And so when Jesus, Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people that had come to console Mary and Martha 
in their loss. When, Mar- when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. So Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And then Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes, there's that B word again, who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Jesus is saying, I'm about to do a miracle. Do you believe? Do you have faith for it? But it seems impossible. We haven't actually seen, other than some Old Testament instances of the dead coming back to life, certainly it had been centuries since someone had resurrected someone from the dead. It doesn't happen, right? When, when the body's in the casket, you go, well, I guess, maybe he, he's a, he, we hope that it was a coma, we can get him out. When he's buried in the ground for three days, you go, it's over. <laughs> like, there's, there's no coming back from that, right? We, we have never seen anything like this before. And so then Jesus goes and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He, they go to the tomb of Lazarus. He says, move the stone away. And they're like, oh man, Lord, don't do it. It's going to stink really bad. He's been dead for three days. And he says, didn't I tell you that you'd see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. And Jesus looked up into heaven. He said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of these people who are standing here. So they would believe that you sent me. And Jesus shouted, Lazarus, Come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in cloth, and Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. Just believe. Sometimes it's really hard to believe. We want to believe. We hope. But it's like some miracles just seem impossible. I know a lot of folks have driven up and down this highway. They've seen this empty church for the last eight years. Probably a lot of them have thought, then nothing will ever happen in there ever again. Here we are. A resurrection of sorts. What was once dead can come back to life again. Right? What looks like when when you think it's over, God, God says, it ain't over till I say it's over. Right? Will you believe me for a miracle? Will you believe me for a resurrection? Tell you what, it was pretty tough when we lost our our school rental and I'm doing church to a camera in the studio of my house. COVID hits and we have a global pandemic and we're like, I'm never going to have church ever again. No one's ever coming ever again. Like, even the pastor's going, I'm having a hard time believing for this. And yet, it was during 21 days of prayer and fasting in January that the man who's in charge of this building goes, hey, you need a church? Like, yeah, I need a church. I have a church. Do you want to use it? Yes. Amazing. Amazing. If you only believe. That's a code. That's, that's, a, that's sort of a secret code of a disciple. That is essential. If you're going to see 
the breakthroughs that a disciple enjoys, a true follower of Christ, you have to believe first. That's the hinge. That's the linchpin to everything else. If you don't believe, you're not gonna you're not gonna join anything else. And of course, when Jesus comes into all this, there's he the closer he gets to Jerusalem, the more he's a threat to the political authorities, the more he's a threat to the establishment. And there's a plot to kill Jesus. And so Caiaphas, the high priest, at that time he said, You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than the whole nation to be destroyed. He said this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say it on his own. And not only that the nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world, that Jesus would not just be a Jewish savior, but he would be the savior for all the nations of the world. He'd be, he'd be the savior, the Messiah for all people. If we'll just believe by believing we have life in his name. And Caiaphas says that he is the linchpin, that, that it's better that one man suffers for the, for the sins of a nation than for the whole nation to suffer. And yet he, he's saying, actually, it's better for one man to die for the sins of the whole world. And that's what Jesus has done. And not only did he die, he came back to life again and showed that he had power over sin, hell, death, and the grave. If we'll just believe that's quite a code, isn't it? Just believe. That's all you got to do. He says, don't be afraid. In other places, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. Oh, but it's really hard. <laughs> Sometimes it's really hard to believe. One man said to Jesus, God, Jesus, I want to believe, but help me with my unbelief. <laughs> Have you ever been there with God? I really want to believe God, but this is really tough. I believe he answers those prayers. And he goes, Hey, come along with me. Come along with me. Receive my love. Just step into the water a little bit. Just take a few steps of faith. Just, if you, if you would come to me, you must first believe that I am. And then I am a rewarder of those who seek me. Just seek. Just believe. That's a good code, right? Let's get to, to chapter 12. So Jesus is anointed at Bethany when he's, after he's, Lazarus, can you imagine someone that came back to life, right? What a party there would be at the house. Like, what happened? You were dead for three days. Where did you go? Did you go to hell? Did you go to heaven? Like, did you see Moses? You were like, what happened? Imagine the conversations they had around the table with Mary and Martha and the disciples and Lazarus and like ghost stories, you know what I mean? The afterlife. Like, I would have so many questions for Lazarus. I really would. Right? Like, how did you know that you were supposed to come back into your body? Like, I heard Jesus talking. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And I was like, I guess I'm going back into my body? Yeah. Like, how crazy would the stories be? Right? It'd be amazing. And so the, he's in this house, and this woman anoints Jesus, and the, she breaks this alabaster jar, this box of perfume over him. It was worth a year's wages. And Judas Iscariot, who was in charge of the money, begrudges this act of kindness over Jesus. He says, this money should have been given to the poor, not wasted. And then Jesus says, you don't understand. Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you'll not always have me. When all the people 
heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. And when then the leading priest decided um, to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. And then Jesus makes his triumphal entry from Bethany, which is just northeast of Jerusalem. Bethany is still there today. You could walk there in down the Mount of Olives right into the eastern gate of Jerusalem. Walks in with the triumphal entry. And just a few weeks ago, remember we did Hosanna, we waved the palm branches. That's this, this, that, same, that same event here uh, talked about in the Gospel of John. And I won't go over that again. But code number two is the letter T. The letter T. What do you think that stands for? If we're going to believe, what did you say? Tim. Tim, of course. Well, it stands for your name, yes. But it's trust. Do you know there's a difference between believing and trusting? There's a difference between just believing something and putting your wholehearted trust into something. Right? Uh, I was reminded of this story of this man named Charles Blondin in 1859. He was a tightrope walker. He was the Nick Walenda of his day. You guys you know Nick Walenda? He, like, he, he does the Vegas high, high wires. He's gone across Niagara Falls himself. He did this giant gorge, I think, in South America somewhere. Well, the Nick Walenda of 1859 was a guy named Charles Blondin. He was the first tightrope walker to ever go across Niagara Falls. And this is in New York, you know, and... And all the people are watching and goes, how many of you believe that I can do it? That I can go across the falls and back? And they're like, yes, we believe you can do it. Go ahead. I'll be the first man to ever do it. They're like, that's amazing. He grabs his big pole and he starts tightrope walking across the falls. That's amazing. That's amazing. Wow. He did it. He went all the way there. And then he came back to the crowd again. Like, that's incredible. He goes, you believe I can do it? You've seen me do it. He goes, now I have another trick. And he pulls out a wheelbarrow with no tire on it, just a, just a rim to go across on the tightrope. And he goes, how many believe I can go across the, the, the wire? Like, we believe. Who's willing to get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> of course, that day, no one got in the wheelbarrow. They believed, but they didn't trust. That's the difference. Do I believe God loves me and he died for me and he sent Jesus? Yes. But do I really trust Jesus to forgive me of my sins? Do I trust to walk with him every day? Do I trust he's going to take care of me without me taking the control back? Do I trust him to provide for all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus? Do I really trust that he will be the cleansing of my sin and I don't earn my salvation? Ooh, that's a big difference, isn't it? And you know, nobody got in the wheelbarrow that day when Blondin went across the second time. He took an empty wheelbarrow and did it again. He goes, huh, I didn't, you didn't really trust, did you? You didn't really believe. You believed I could do it. You, you had no risk at all in cheering me on. But none of you really trusted that I could do it twice in a row. A few years later, he had a, a dear friend that actually got in the wheelbarrow and went across with him. And I think, man, what an illustration of true trust. Right? And that's what Jesus is saying to you and I. Will you trust me? I have the power of life, eternal life. I have the power to save you from your sins, to give you new hope, to put my spirit inside of you. 
Now, will you not just believe, but will you put your weight behind your belief and truly trust me? Ooh, that's the mark of maturity in a disciple, right? Someone who's a real Christian. They don't just talk about Jesus, but they live as if they believe Jesus exists and he has a plan for their life, amen? Ooh, it's a big difference. Our culture is filled with people who said they believe, but it's much more rare to find one who puts, someone who puts their whole heart of trust in Christ. So then Jesus, he predicts his own death. And here's, here's more along this lines of trust. He says, now is the time for the Son of Man to come into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to, to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. And then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I've already brought glory to my name and I will do it again. And the crowd heard the voice and some thought it was thunder while others declared an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And I am, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. He was predicting being lifted up on the cross. And then he condemns unbelief. He said, you have to believe you have to trust. And despite all the miraculous signs that Jesus had done, most of the people still, still did not believe in him. Can you imagine seeing someone buried, put in the grave, and then he comes back to life again? You saw it with your own eyes. You, you, you see these miracles. Blind eyes are opening. Deaf ears are opening. People that were lame their whole life are suddenly walking around Jerusalem. And yet most still would not believe. Many Americans who say this today, well, will you serve God? Will you give your life to God? Well, I guess I need a sign. No, you don't. Because even if you got a sign, it wouldn't be good enough. Wouldn't be good enough. <laughs> Honestly, it's true. And Jesus says, this is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. And this is John's commentary on their unbelief in the gospel as he writes. He said, this is what Isaiah predicted. He said, Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe. For Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and have me heal them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. Many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. And they loved human praise more than the praise from God. And Jesus shouted to the crowds, if you trust me, we're at that T here, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. 
I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me but don't obey me, for I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth that I have spoken. I don't speak of my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Jesus saying, put your trust in me because I put my trust in him. When I put my trust in Christ, I know I'm putting it on a firm foundation because he's God's very own son. I can not only believe him, I can put weight behind my belief and put my trust in him. I can trust him with my whole life. I can trust him with my eternity. I can trust him with my time. I can trust him with my talent. I can trust him with my treasure. Everything that I have, everything I am, everything I'm gonna be, I can trust God with. Amen. Amen. Brings me to, to chapter 13. And it brings us to this next quadrant right here. L and S. What could L and S stand for? Hmm. It almost looks like Lori, right? Or I hope you don't have a boyfriend named Steve, do you? No, it's not. No, it's not that. It's not Lori. It's, no. <laughs> Maybe your name's Steve. Nope. L and S. Well, it's a mystery. Let's unfold it here. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father, and he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And that's, that's really worth thinking about. We talked about getting a revelation of God's love today. Jesus deeply loved his disciples during this time on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. And it was time for the supper. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to, be a, a, to, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that his father had given him authority over everything. He had come down from God and return, would return to God. So he got up from the table and he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel around him. And then Jesus came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, you, you, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. And that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and he asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is a, 
messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. What was noted about Jesus? He deeply loved his disciples. Love and service. Love and service. He, he <laughs> who is Jesus to bend down and wash his disciples' feet? He's demonstrating what we're supposed to do for one another. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. I will serve you because I love you. And I'm asking you to serve others because you love them. Because the love of the Father is in me and I am in you. And God's love is in all of us. And because God's love is in us, we're going to serve each other. We're even going to serve people we've never known before. People who just roll up on a motorcycle on May 2nd. Hello, somebody. Right? When we give them a free Krispy Kreme donut and a coffee, and we say, hey, can we pray for your safety for this motorcycle riding season? Can we just, just pray safety over you and your bike? And Hey, by the way, do you know the Lord? Where are you at with Jesus? What do you think about him? I, would, I think we're going to have some opportunities to share the gospel with some guys. Like, well, I'm not into that Jesus stuff. Oh, that's okay. Can, can I still pray safety over you for this riding season? Of course. Like, you know that motorcycles are kind of dangerous to ride around? You know that over 50% of motorcycle accidents happen for the people who are riding in the first six months of motorcycle riding? Yeah, how many know that might be a good thing for us to do? To pray for safety for those guys. It's a wonderful thing. And I, I hope that, that God would give us opportunities with people who would never normally come to a church. Never normally hear about the love of Jesus. In the most, most loving, gentle, generous, serving kind of way. With no agenda. Hey, you don't have to believe anything that we believe. You don't even have to walk in the building. We just want you to know that God loves you. And God has given us a love for you. Right? Amen. Love and service. That's a code. That's a secret code of a disciple. If you begin to serve people with no agenda, no strings attached. Hey, I'm not asking anything for you. I don't want anything from you. I just want some things for you. Right? Man, that's attractional. That is, ooh, that touches you at a deeper level. You're like, man, why are you doing this? Oh, because God's given me a love for you. You don't even know me. That's okay. I love him, and I know that he loves you, so I want to serve you. Right? Doesn't that touch your heart when you think about it? When an atheist hears about the love of God, that's one thing. But when they experience it, they can't explain it. <laughs> you can't argue with an act of kindness. You go, I'm sorry, that was inaccurate. You couldn't, you polished my bike inaccurately. No, <laughs> right? You can't argue with love. <laughs> it's the amazing thing about God. And so love and service, and we need to love and serve just as Jesus did. Well, Jesus predicts P Peter's betrayal. We talked about that in the previous studies of the Gospels. And then... Uh, of course, we, we see later on that, that Peter indeed does betray Jesus. At the end of our study of John in a couple of weeks, we're going to see the reversal of his threefold three, three betrayal or his denial of Christ. And Jesus gives him an opportunity to reaffirm his faith, and he reverses that, that whole denial thing. Chapter 14, we get to the next code. Code O. What can an O stand for? Hmm, what would O mean in being a disciple of Christ? 
Ooh, you might be really right. You could be right on that one. So chapter 14, Jesus is the way to the Father. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's house. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the where where I'm going. And Thomas says, Lord, no, we don't. Where are you going? What is this all about? We don't know where you're going and what you're talking about. And he gets, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you've seen him. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. You know, it's just like what I've said to many Americans, show me a sign. And then I'll believe. (laughs) Jesus said, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does the work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work that you've seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son of Man will bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And then Jesus promises the Holy Spirit and he speaks about this. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Right? And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. You will ne- he will never leave you alone. The Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because he isn't looking for him. And it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and now will later be in you. Referring to Pentecost. Obedience, obedience. How, 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 does, how can we obey God with these commands that seem impossible? Only with his Holy Spirit on the inside of us, right? How many really tried to be a good person and you messed it up over and over again? Come on, right? That's you and your human effort trying to be a good person. Can't do it, right? The only way we can obey these commandments is with God's Spirit on the inside of us Changing our desires, making us willing and desirous to obey him, loving him so much to say, God, you're amazing. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to offend you. I want to live in a way that pleases you. I want to live in a way that honors you. And that creates a desire to obey. You know, when you start to have the desire to obey, it gets way easier, right? Because he begins to change your heart. Like one of the Old Testament prophets said, he takes your heart of stone and turns it into a heart of flesh. He softens your heart. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones that love me. Because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. When you come into a place of obedience as a disciple, the mysteries of God begin to be revealed to you about who Jesus is, what his word means, what the Holy Spirit's about. Or like one missionary, I've heard in Indonesia say, you know the Holy Spirit's first name? 
is holy. <laughs> Holiness means obedience. It means I know what he's asked me to do and, and I am doing it. I'm doing it. I'm obeying it. Right? And I'm not saved because I'm obedient. I'm saved because of his grace. But because I'm a disciple, I'm learning how to believe, to trust, to love and to serve, and to eventually obey, and to become more and more like Jesus, to have his heart, right? And that brings me to chapter 15. What in the world could the A stand for in our secret code for disciples today? The A word, what could that mean? Believing, trusting, loving and serving, obeying, abiding, abiding. Jesus says, I am the vine, I'm the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that does not produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow, Jesus. That's true though, right? We see it in the natural. I have a, I have a grapevine in my backyard that I planted several years ago. Now I get harvests of little, little white grapes. Every late summer it comes up. Sweet little green white grapes. Sweet. Is it, the longer they're in the sun baking, the sweeter they get. They start out kind of sour if you try to eat one in June. By September, they're falling off the vine onto the ground. That... You know, if I chop off one of those grapes, clusters of grapes that's on the vine and I'll leave it on the ground, guess what's going to happen? <laughs> well, the birds will probably eat it and it'll just go away, right? But it's going to die in the vine. It's not going to mature. It won't grow. It won't develop into what it's supposed to be. That's true for us as disciples. If I want to become who God has made me to be, I have to abide in the vine. I have to stay connected to my life and power source in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father. If I abide in Him, if His words abide in me, I can ask whatever I want in His, within His will and it will be done. I'll have a deep relationship with my, with my Heavenly Father just as Jesus did. And I'll do the things that Jesus did and even greater things Jesus said because He's gone to the Father and given us his Holy Spirit. That might sound like a lot. But you know what? This is the code. This is the code of a disciple. You begin to live by that code. You begin to grow in the codes of being a disciple. You're going to be much further ahead than people who call themselves Christians but aren't living as if they really believe. You're going to, begin to have to, a desire to read the Bible. You're going to have a desire to begin to do the things that God has asked you to do, not because you're afraid of him, but because you love him. And because you love him, you will be on to obey. And as you live in obedience, you have the love of God in your heart. Amen? Well, maybe you're watching online today or you're coming in the room and you, you don't have a relationship with God and 
you want to start the relationship. It's a simple prayer that I call STP. Sorry, thank you, please. He says, if anyone come to God, he must first believe that he is, that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. That, that God doesn't look on sin and just ignore it. He's a holy God. But he's made provision for our sin through Christ, through that cross. The reason why the cross is such a powerful symbol for us Christians, it's, it's, it's empty, thank God, right? <laughs> he's not still on that cross anymore. He, he was put in the ground and he raised a new life and now he sits at the right hand of the Father and he's praying for you and I. But he paid the way for us to know God. He made the way and then he gave us the codes of how to be a disciple. But you, you can't walk in the codes until you first do the first one. If you'll believe that he is. If you'll say, okay, Jesus, I believe you. I believe in you. I can't do this stuff. I know I can't. But will you come in? Will you help me? Will you forgive me? Will you help me to become the person you want me to be? Will you help me clean up these areas of my life that I haven't been able to clean up on my own? And he will. If you ask him to come in, he'll come in. See, God created all of us to be with him. You're made in the image of God. You're made for a relationship with God. And our sins separate us from God. Sins can't be paid for by doing good deeds. Jesus paid the price for our sin. And everyone, anyone who'll trust in him can have eternal life. And it can begin the moment you start it, the relationship. You, you give him permission to come in and to be your savior, to be your Lord. If you need to pray that prayer today, whether you're in, here in the room or online, would you pray it out loud right now? Just, just, just do this together. Say, dear Jesus... I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe that God raised you from the dead. According to the scriptures. Please come into my heart. Be my savior. And be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I appreciate you listening and being a part of the study. Uh, in the coming weeks, we're, we're going to wrap up our John study this month and then get into the Acts of the Apostles, and we're just going to keep on cruising through the New Testament. I want to challenge you, as we approach this Biker Outreach Sunday, I want to teach all of you how to lead someone else to Christ. Some of you are like, man, I've never done that before. It's not hard. In fact, the first time I led people to Christ, I was 17 years old. I went through a Billy Graham training when he came to the, the fairgrounds in Lenawee County, Michigan. I'm going to teach you what the Billy Graham people taught me. And it's a simple thing called the Romans Road. I always want you to do between now and next Sunday, get a paper Bible. If you don't have a paper Bible, you can take one of ours, all right? But I want, I, want you a, I want you to get a paper Bible that you can write in and make notes and maybe even have a highlighter. I'm gonna teach, of you, teach each of you how to be a soul winner and how to walk someone through the Romans road so that when we are praying over bikers and their bikes and giving them donuts and coffee, we ask them that simple question, hey, do you know Christ? Do you know the Lord? Like, I think so, I hope so. Well, do you wanna know for sure? 
Here's how you know for sure. I'm going to show you three scriptures. you have time? Do you have time to do it? And just give get permission along as you go. Can I just show you three scriptures from Romans so that you can know that you know that you know that you belong to God and that Jesus is in your heart? How many Christians would like to know how to do that? Okay, so next week, bring a paper Bible, a pen and a highlighter, and I'm going to teach you in the Romans road with a little, with a little marker so you can go from one scripture to the next and you know what you're talking about, okay? And uh, if you get stuck, I'll be here. You're like, I don't know that question. My pastor's over here. Just, uh, we, we can help you with that. But it's going to be a great outreach day. I want to equip all of you to be a part of that. Um, hey, by the way, uh, it's, we're getting more and more activity on our Google page, which is so cool. We have like thousands of people that have, like in the last week, we had 3,000 people um, logging on, seeing directions, and learning about our page. A lot of people online with our social media, which is very cool as well. Um, give us a Google review. Right now, I think Ron and I are the only ones who've done a review for the church. So go online, go to Google, give us a review. That helps lift us up in the search engines when people are looking for a church in Douglas County. And that's a free way that you can uh, help us out uh, in the church as well. And then again, if you want to help promote that blessing of the bikes day on the back resource center, I've got a whole bunch of these little square invitations. It says May 2nd, gives the address of the church and all the stuff that's happening on that day. So make sure you just grab a few of those. And of course, if you know a motorcycle person, say, hey, we're doing a special day that day. We'd love to have you be a part of it. So that is what I have today. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you and lift your countenance and give you his peace. In Christ's name, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for coming today. Bless you guys on the Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember... God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.